Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. I've got my man Stay Lane here uh, on the line from Peak Primal Health, and he's over in America. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. Good morning to you. I'm happy to be here. Let's have a, let's have a good chat today. What, what is it on the uh, thing that caught my eye on your uh, Instagram? Morning? Morning. Morning. That's the one. I like it, man. Because uh, I, I, I say, it's weird because I say on Instagram, I say folks all the time. I say, hey, folks, yeah. right? But I never say that in real life. And I'm like, yeah. you already say that on Instagram. <laughs> it's weird. Dude, you know what's funny about that is like I've been to like a couple of like health conventions and stuff like that. And it's happened a couple of times now. And I'm small time, right? But it's happened a couple of times where just some stranger from across the way has been like, morning. And it's so funny, dude. <laughs> I like you it, dude. Like it's, super, it's super catchy, man. I like it. I was thinking of stealing it, but I thought it was going to be too obvious now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, what we do at the start normally is we just get the, uh, you know, the awesome guests just to share a little bit more about themselves, your background, yeah. and, you know, I guess what you do, my man. Yeah, cool. So um, what I do right now is I'm a holistic health coach and a podcast host. So I love this podcast game that we're doing. Um, I do my own coaching through Peak Primal Health. That's the Instagram account. I kind of have like an online school coaching programs focused on uh, something that sounds kind of cliche, you know, mind, body and soul, but spiritual, financial health, physical health, movement, all of that fun stuff. So like trying to really take this health thing and make it well-rounded, truly holistic. And then I'm the host for a relatively new podcast called Radical Health Radio which is where we kind of use a framework of animal-based dieting um, and then build in as well and, and weave this kind of holistic health story into it. So my background is, uh, you know, as a as a kid growing up in the northwest of England, I didn't really kind of see myself like out here in America doing this coaching thing because I was always kind of chubby and self-conscious and didn't come from a particularly healthy family. So, um, you know, looking back now, it's kind of a my desperation became my motivation, if you will. My my pain became this platform because I was self-conscious. Um, I didn't quite reach my potential earlier in life. I had a flirtation with a rugby career. I was like, you know, boyhood dream, I'm gonna play professional rugby. And I just I wasn't good enough, you know, and I kind of got left behind athletically and had a lot of energy left over. And that energy then I was like, all right, I've got to do something with this because you know, you go into the, the full-time, you know, under 18s and then you go open age rugby. And it's it's basically a drinking game at that point. And rugby kind of gets in the way of the drinking team, you know. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do something a bit more serious. So pivoted into, you know, martial arts, got into jujitsu and boxing. And, you know, before I knew it, I was fighting um, you know, amateur and thinking, what the hell have I got myself into here? But that was a fun little stint that I did for a few years and that's kind of where I got uh, introed into the nutrition stuff, you know, cutting weights for competition, training, taking that more seriously, and just finding myself through all of that journey, man, figuring out what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the the short story, and we can go into detail if you'd like, but as I was on that journey, I wanted, I wanted a bit of a break. Um, I was about to become an adult, you know, finish uni and all of that stuff. And I wanted one last hurrah, you know, one last... Um, childlike adventure so I signed up for summer camp in America and uh little did I know that would kind of change the trajectory of my life because I'd meet a woman there you know a girl called Nicole who we hit it off had a great summer uh, romance and relationship but she's America and I'm English so there's issues with long distance and uh we just decided to meet in the middle in Thailand and book a one-way ticket and go traveling and work it out from there and you know here we are like 10 years later now um living in middle Tennessee with a three-year-old baby boy and some goats and all of that stuff. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster, man. And throughout that whole journey, I've been just diving into myself, health, learning, courses, education, 
And my goal is to just pass that on, you know, spread a good message, help people live life by design, not by default, and just leave people and the world better than I found it, I hope. I love that, man. Live life by design and not by default. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, man, your story, you were just talking off air, right? It's interesting how us Brits, you know, we get around, don't we? Like, I know you said you went to, you yeah. came here to Australia for like a year. Um, obviously, I came over to Australia six years ago. Plan on coming just for a year, like you did on a working holiday visa. Six years later, here I am. Uh, you obviously, you've been in like in the states for seven years now. You got a wife, you know. You got a kid, like you say. You live on a farm with goats. <laughs> who would have, who would have seen that coming, man? But uh, it's always great. To, and and what you were saying then resonated with me in terms of like in the UK, like the lifestyle, and you know, obviously we were talking about you know the foods and stuff. It just and when you go back yeah. there now, you notice the food quality and all those kind of things is a lot harder. Obviously, you know, you do it. But it's a lot harder to kind of live a healthy lifestyle. It's a different energy. It's just, you can't really explain it unless you're actually from the UK, but it's just a very unique place to actually grow up in there. And obviously, I grew up in Wales and rugby's big there as well, right, bro? So was it rugby league, by the way, you were going to play or rugby union? Yeah. Just curious. Rugby league, man. I was a league yeah. man through and through. That's it. And just for most of the, like 50% of the audience are in America, right? So I better cut to the chase on this part because I haven't got a clue what we're talking about. But there's rugby union and rugby league. And up north, he's from England, up north England, probably about four hours away from where I'm from in Wales. And obviously, rugby league is is the biggest sport, obviously, union yeah. uh, for me. But yeah, playing sports from a young age, you know, really, really helps. I think it's, it's essential, you know, for guys to be competitive from a young age. I think it's really, really important. And I feel like that's, you know, you getting into jiu-jitsu as well. We were just talking off air. Uh, obviously, I got into that last year as well. And just having that kind of like release, as you say, that energy that you have. And then you want to direct it into something that, you know, is going to, is going to benefit you like a martial art, for example. Yeah. Uh, but also it's great that you've directed that energy into, into helping others, man. So, you know, I know you're a holistic health coach, right? Um, and that's my kind of, uh, I guess that's not my official title, but that's exactly my approach as well. It's, it's holistic. It's looking at health first. Uh, and obviously the, you know, the body follows, right? Let's be honest. People yeah. who hire us for the most part, they want to improve the way their body looks. And I'm sure at least 80, 90% of people here probably want to improve the way their body looks. Uh, but health needs to be first, right, man? And then, you know, the, the body comes as a, as a byproduct, right? Yeah, man, you nailed it. And I think, you know, in that approach, like that, that's kind of my journey and story really is like, I got, you know, like I said, my background coming from like being self-conscious and chubby and having that whole, like, you know, didn't want to take my uh, shirt off around the pool kind of deal. Like, so in my head, I was like, all right, if I just get strong, get friggin shreddy Kruger, you know, Lord Swaldemar, I'll get nice and big that I'll just fix all my problems. And I'll be, you know, like, what are we doing? Really? We're trying to be impressive to girls most of the time, right? I have this funny little line, I say that people basically want to get paid, and they want to get laid. And you know, in my head, I was like, <laughs> if I look good, that's going to open up the world and make it my oyster, right? So I did that. And I got I got, you know, through competing in MMA and stuff, I've touched single digit body fat, I've had, you know, like washboard abs, I've looked really good, I'm strong, I can compete well, I'm an athlete, all of that stuff. But it didn't quite fix the whole thing for me. It was great to go on that, learn the discipline, but there was still something missing inside. Like abs didn't make up for a you know an internal sense of lack that I believe myself to be. It didn't. It didn't get rid of all of my anxiety or my worries about life. And you know, it, it just I had the same problems essentially. I just looked good. <laughs> so it then it forced me to go inward. It's like okay, well, there's clearly some value in this health thing from a physical perspective. You know, I did feel better and I looked better and I had a bit more confidence. But there's this other thing too. There's this mindset game. There's this how do you live your life game. There's your relationships. There's financial stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. And that's where it really starts to 
you know, open up. And I, I do think that physical health is the foot in the door. I think it gets us started. I think it's kind of like the red pill into more holistically looking at your environments and how you spend your time. And like you said, in the England example, you know, how do you want to live your life? Like, you just want to go out every weekend and watch the football and get pissed? Or do you want a bit more from life? And do you want to, you want more of an adventure, more impact and all of that stuff? So that's what really kind of got me into the more holistic space was realizing that it's great to have physical goals. It's great to have a, a healthy physical body. I still prize that very highly today. But also there's there's other stuff at play here. You know, the head, the heart and the hands all have to be in alignment. And I think that's sometimes missing from these spaces, you know? Mm, yeah. And that takes me to something that you said on your content as well, man, you know, and I loved it. Becoming the kind of person you need to be, right? Instead of trying to get, you know, you want to get the results. I get that. People who hire us, for example, they want to get results, right? Black and white. But ultimately, people get so attached to the result that they actually lose track of the character building process and becoming the person yeah. you need to be, implementing the habits, the behaviors. Because ultimately, success in any area of your life, whether that's business or body, is it's just a series of behaviors, essentially, uh, the compound effect of, and none of it's pretty. You know what I'm saying? People want me to share a lot more stuff on my story and stuff. So I'm like, you're going to fall asleep. Like, it's, it's like, it's, it's not exciting, a lot of the stuff we do on a day-to-day -day basis. But yeah, talk us, uh, I'd like to go into a little bit more depth on the mindset stuff in terms of like becoming the kind of person you want to be because it's, it's almost like upgrading your identity. That's uh, that's the way we talk about within our tribe. We had an expert, yeah, like you're upgrading your identity. In other words, you're upgrading your beliefs, you're upgrading, um, you, you're leveling up your way of thinking really. And uh, yeah. effectively, as you say, becoming the kind of person you need to be to, you know, to, to basically get the success you want, right? Yeah, exactly, Martin. I think... Like I started to realize as well, you could give people all of the, the structure and the tools. You could tell them how to form the plate and you could give them a perfect training program. But if they can't get out of their own way because they keep self-sabotage and tripping themselves up, because ultimately they, 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 people get what they tolerate and that's usually what they believe they're worth, right? You said a key word there. It's like upgrade your beliefs. That's the single biggest limiting factor I believe for people is the beliefs that they hold. There's an old saying that, whether you believe you can or you can't, you are right. And that sounds trite and simple, but it's so true because if you don't believe you can change, if you believe you're always going to be fat, if you don't believe you're lovable, if you don't believe you can earn a certain amount of money or whatever, you're not going to achieve it. Just end off. You're probably not even going to try because in your head, you're thinking, well, what's the point? It's just inevitable failure. So I'm just going to confine myself to this little kind of weird comfort zone where I just atrophy. And I say comfort zones are where dreams go to die. So you need to upgrade beliefs, right? Like that, that, that idea of it's not about getting what you want. It's about becoming the kind of person that gets to have what you want. Because if you become that kind of person, the good news is you're going to get what you want anyway. But it takes the focus off the shiny objects. It takes the focus off the six-pack abs. It takes the focus off six-figure salaries or whatever that thing in our head is like the the destination, the pinnacle of the mountain. And it forces us to embrace and fall in love with the journey, right? How do you get to the summit? Right? You, you just have to start, you know, one step at a time. And I think that's where people get tripped up because like you said, change is slow. It's often boring. It's kind of routine. It's not that sexy and exciting. It takes time because it's about habits, right? Changing habits takes time. I say that people don't define their futures. They choose their habits and their habits define their futures. So it, where do habits come from? Well, habits come from your identity. Ultimately, what you do is an expression of who you believe you are and what you're placing values on. So you might find yourself completely procrastinating and wasting time on social media a lot of the time. That's a habit, you know, that's going to result in you wasting countless hours over the week that you could be putting somewhere else if your identity believed that you was 
worthy of that or it's really what you wanted and you had the systems in place to achieve it. So there's just so much in the mindset, man, because change fundamentally is very uncomfortable because from an evolutionary perspective and something that's important to understand, I'd like to you know invite the listener to, to really feel into is you have a brain, which is a beautiful burden in many ways, because it's not designed to help you survive. Sorry, to thrive. It's not designed to help you thrive. It's designed to help you survive. That's all the brain is, is focused on. It just wants survival. Thriving is very different from surviving. Thriving means that you've got to embrace change. You've got to work through your limiting beliefs. You've got to you know, grow. You've got to cultivate discipline, get up earlier, stop choosing so easy mouth pleasure. But you're going to meet resistance from your mind because your mind doesn't want to do that because the, the new choices that you're making are unknown or unfamiliar territory. And to the brain, that's very dangerous. You know, we've got to remember where we came from as humans. Evolutionary, you know, psychology is, is very much at play because it's baked into the cake of who we are. Like we have a pessimism bias built into us. Like we're designed to seek comfort. We're designed to not move that much. And we're designed to stay safe because that's very predictable. So now when you want to start like hustling and getting up at 5 a.m. and working out and doing all that stuff, your brain is going, whoa, 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 no, don't do that. And it's trying to sabotage you on that process. And that's why the mental awareness needs to be there. That's why we need to upgrade the identity, upgrade the beliefs, because otherwise we're just we're capped at a certain ceiling and we don't even realize that it's a ceiling we've placed on ourselves. So the mindset stuff is is massive, man. And I'm I'm pleased to hear that you're working on that too, because it's it's probably the biggest single thing that you know limits people's success or not. Hundred percent. And isn't it interesting, Ryan? I'm sure you've experienced this with people you coach, how they've achieved so much success in certain areas of their life, whether that be professional or whatever, right? And they just struggle to transfer that over into, you know, health and fitness, right? And sometimes people get, you know, they get overwhelmed with things and they just lack that belief. And it's like making people aware that actually you've actually, these things are transferable, right? Whatever success you've had, you know, whatever kind of like you've achieved in your life, even if they're like small achievements or whatever, it could be just your career where you're at and your career. it could be anything at all. As I say, it could be even like in your, in your personal life, whatever, building a family, anything really. Ultimately that's transferable, right? Into, into getting in shape and, and becoming the best version of yourself. Um, I'm just curious to know like what you would say, you know, as a coach, are like the biggest struggles you see or the biggest kind of obstacles you see your clients kind of face um, when it comes to them, you know, becoming the best version of themselves, right? Because what I, what I find is like, you know, obviously what we do is very personalized, right? So we meet the person where they're at and everyone's going to have different struggles and stuff like that. And I think that's where a good coach comes in, helps you take away all that guesswork, all the kind of noise, which isn't yeah. really going to get you moving forward. It's like implementing, yeah. like you say, with habits, implementing one thing at a time and being consistent with that. It's not sexy, but, you know, uh, just getting people to implement the right things, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in. Uh, what I'm trying to say yeah. here, but yeah, just curious to know what your kind of what you notice your biggest the biggest challenges are, the most common things you see people struggling with with the kind of person yeah. that you coach. Yeah, let let's continue on the belief thing for a minute because I think there's let's a go. really good thread. We're, Sounds good. We're continuing to pump the tires of coaches, and I think we're both a bit biased, but we see the value in this because I say right, if beliefs are the most important thing that are tripping people up, so there's the biggest struggle that they're having is okay, how do we change them then? Let's get pragmatic and practical here. Okay, my beliefs are not serving me. How am I going to change them? Well, number one, I think, is just messy action. You just have to start taking action. We have a culture that's obsessed with thinking, consuming podcasts, reading books, listening to podcasts like this, which are great. But if you don't do anything with the information, it's just wasted potential, right? We have this idea that knowledge is power. 
but it's not, it's potential. It must be applied. And action is the only way you're going to get any kind of evidence that you can upgrade your beliefs. Like we can sit here all day and pump your tires and say, come on, you can do it. But you have to go and actually do it to be like, oh, wow, I can do it. And now what you do day by day, habit by habit is build an undeniable stack of proof that you are the kind of person that you say you are. So that's number one, you need to just start taking action. And this is where the mentors or the coaches come in. That's the two levers, I think, for changing beliefs. One is action, start proving you can be a different person through your actions. And number two is get a mentor, get a coach, or find them in books or whatever it is, because coaches and mentors can shift your perspective and alter your paradigm. The story I really like here is the Roger Bannister four-minute mile. So like back in the 60s or whatever, these scientists, the white coach were basically like, nobody can run a four-minute mile because it's literally impossible for the body. The heart will explode. It's impossible. And then this Roger Bannister fellow comes along and he runs a 359. Now, all of a sudden, people are like, whoa, it's possible. And then what happened? Do you think he was the only person to do it? No. Like hundreds of people started to do it because the belief changed, right? The belief that it wasn't possible was limiting everybody. Now he broke it. It was a new belief. It's completely open. Now you've got hundreds of people. Now you've got, I think it's something like 1,500 people that have run a sub four minute mile now. So it was a belief that needed to be shattered. Now, the analogy and why it's interested in coaching here is that's what we do for other people. Maybe they don't believe it's possible for them, but then we can say, ah, no, 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 no. It is possible for you because I've done it. I've helped these many people do it. And I see the common pitfalls that I can help you avoid. And I'm going to hold you accountable so that you take the action so that you can get the evidence. So that is so important as you know, in, in terms of what we do as coaches with this belief piece. Because again, if, if I can't even get out of here, like if I can't get out of my own way because of self-sabotage, then you know, realistically, I'm not gonna have the results I want. And I think I'd marry that with the second biggest challenge I see in clients is their environment, I would say. I think that we absorb the values of our environment. And what that means is if our environment is full of people that are partying and drinking and stuck in kind of like a negativity mindset, and you know they're just focused on checking out and gaming or smoking weed or complaining and blaming about the world, then we kind of become that crowd. Like we absorb those values. There's something called a fifth monkey effect, right? It says we're, we're the sum of the five people we spend the most time around. Now, I'm not sure if that's a literal truth all the time, but if you think about it, if you surround yourself with better people, people that are hopeful, healthy, they're out there thriving instead of Saturday nights out until 3 a.m., they're at Sunday morning stand-up paddle club or they're meditating on the beach or something like that, you start to absorb those values. So your environment in the people in your environment, the environment that you keep, the, the workplace, the food choices that you have stocked in your pantry and in your fridge, your environment is something that's very important to curate because we become our environments. So that's the other thing I, I work on as well immediately is like, let's fix this environment. Let's set it up for movement. Let's set it up for success by getting rid of the shit. Let's think about your friends and who you're spending time around because if those people are dragging you down, they're like an anchor that temporarily we might need to cut ties with. So I think with those two, you know, there's a lot as well, but those are the kind of big one-two combinations, I would say, that keep most people stuck. Definitely. Environment is everything, man. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Um, it's almost like when you've, you can relate this, right? So your sport, when you used to box and stuff like that, right? If you're sparring with someone who's on a good level, right, who's better than you in a lot of ways, that's going to make you level up, right? It just forces you to level up because you've got you've to be smarter. You've got to, you know, you've, you're going to learn faster, basically, right? And, and thrive more, right? And it's the same sort of thing with environment. You know, if you've got a sparring partner who you're walking all over, obviously you're not necessarily going to level up. I kind of butchered that analogy a bit, but you see what I mean? That's <laughs> kind of. No, mate, I saw it. I saw it firsthand too, because like 
there's this is this idea i think like joe rogan's talked about this in jujitsu he's basically said like you want like a 33 percent split so you've got 33 percent people that's right that above so you can basically kick their ass you've got 33 percent that are equal to you so it's a really good challenge and 33 percent that are above you so it gives you something to strive for and when i was like on the local circuits in england like there was a couple of studs in the gym but we were like the best in the gym so we would compete and we'd have healthy spas but anybody else then we're kind of like the the big fish in little ponds if you will so we both decided to go and do training camps abroad and we went to tristar in canada which is the gym of people like gsp and you know it's these monsters these like megastars and all of a sudden you realize, oh, shit, you are in with the big boys now and you're in the deep waters and you better learn to swim. And I spent like four or six weeks out there and came back completely transformed person because of getting my ass kicked, because of putting myself back at the bottom of the rung of the ladder and having to climb up there to survive. So I think you do. I think you need a mix. I think you need people that you are above, quote unquote, so you can teach them. You need equals that you can push each other and be really healthy. But you also need people that are like, you know, the, the blasting you, the kicking your ass, whether that's, you know, financially or, or you know, um, in, in the physical domain or whatever, because they give you something to aim for and chase, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And we're always uh, striving for that kind of perfect balance or the perfect balance doesn't exist, right? But having that, yeah. having that balance is, is absolutely key, man. And uh, you said something then about, yeah, obviously, I was just going to go into um, the confidence, right? Confidence requires evidence. You know what yeah. I mean? Because um, that was one of your posts. I like that as well. And just from what you were saying then and from what I've learned, you know, having coached so many people in my own transformation journey myself, you have got to look back. And when you actually take action, right? Because a lot of people, they, they, they actually don't take, they don't take action or they don't get enough momentum or consistency yeah. to actually build that confidence, you know? Yeah. And, and that confidence requires evidence. You, you get results. You start seeing and feeling better, for example. You start going, oh, wow, you know, certain areas of my life are leveling up or my physique's changing, whatever that might look like to you or whatever area of life that is. But confidence does require evidence, right, mate? And then that confidence requires obviously taking action, right? Yes. Yeah, you're seeing it, right? You're seeing how it's all connected. That action is the important to change your beliefs. That action is what gets you the evidence. The evidence is what gets you the confidence. And that's like a, a really motivating upward spiral. And something that I think, because like people ask me now questions about confidence, like, you seem so confident, you know, where did you learn it? What book did you read or something? And I'm like, no, well, it's interesting. It got me thinking because I wasn't confident. I started the story with that, right? For most of my life, I was not a confident guy. I was self-conscious. I was worried. I was anxious. I was nail bitey, all of that stuff. Now I do feel confident, but it's not necessarily because I was born that way. So I think there's a miss, a misheld belief that like confident people are just naturally confident. Like I learned confidence through taking that, that action, which got me the evidence. And like you said a little bit ago, you can transfer evidence, right? If you were, if you have evidence that you're a great businessman, you can transfer some of those skills over here because it's evidence that you can work out and you can sacrifice and you can be disciplined. You just got to kind of make the suit fit in a slightly different arena. But one of the things I've learned about confidence, reflecting on my own journey and speaking to other people that are what you would now call confident people, most of them weren't confident, but they have a very unique relationship with failure. And what I mean by that is, they don't really give too much of a shit about failure because they've started to understand that when you fail, you just get feedback. When you lose, you're really just learning, right? Like this, this idea of not winning and learning and it being a disaster is not actually true. You learn so much when you fail. When you fuck up, you really get lots of feedback to say, okay, well, it's kind of a bummer and a kick in the nuts that it didn't work out, but what can I learn from this? And then you get to take that into life with you and upgrade again. So I now have the confidence that I'm going to try whatever my heart calls me to, because the worst thing that happens is it fails. And in the best case scenario, I learn an enormous amount through that process. 
the best thing that happens is it, su- it succeeds and I help people and it's great. But if the worst thing that happens is it fails and I learn because of that, like how, how bad could that be? And now I've got evidence too, that when things don't go my way, that the world doesn't come crumbling down around me, that life goes on and tomorrow the sun will rise again. So there's another form of evidence that, okay, I can, I can put myself out there. You know, I can, I can try new things because the worst thing that can happen is I fail, but I can put a positive spin on failure. And that gives me confidence to just keep trying new things. And then confidence is just this kind of superpower, if you will, that everybody can attain. And it just makes you feel awesome. Yeah, love that, dude. Love that. And from what you were saying then on the flip side, right, is a fundamental difference between failing at something and looking at it as a lesson, for example. Okay, I learned something there and I can move on. I can use that going forward now to my advantage. And I needed that. I actually needed that. And that happens. And it's hard in the moment when things don't go your way and you're like, yeah, I screwed up. And then you you know, the, the negative self-talking kick in sometimes, right? Yeah. The inner critic gets loud. But then the reality is you always know, oh, actually, I needed that. When you look back, I needed that. Now I've learned this. Now I've got the wisdom, right? And you talked about that before as well. But there's a fundamental difference. And it's a story you tell yourself, right? I guess what we're alluding to here with the identity and your beliefs, it's essentially the story you tell yourself, right? Because you could, something might not go your way. You could, quote unquote, fail at something and then call yourself a failure, right? And a lot of people do this. They've got this story in their head. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. But are you actually a failure or is that just a story you're telling yourself, right? It's always going to be the latter. And it's, it's all about your relationship with failure uh, in terms of your confidence, right? I love that. So I think that's something, you know, to let the, the listeners sink in with that, right? It's like, if you fail, it's a lesson, move forward. At times, your emotions get involved, you get in your feelings, it hurts. I get that. You might get those moments. But then yeah. there's, there's a, uh, you can self-sabotage. You've got two choices, right? Which is self-sabotage or you can move forward and then you can make tremendous progress. You know what I mean? So love that, dude. Love that. Yeah, let's. Um, I wanted to switch gears a bit, right? And I wanted to just, um, I wanted to pick your brain a bit in terms of your journey and, and you know, I guess what you do with clients in terms of the animal-based approach, because this has been yeah, something, yeah. and the audience knows this as well. This has been something that's been absolutely life-changing for me in terms of um, eating an animal-based diet. You know, up until about two years ago, maybe just over. You know, I, I've eaten whole. I, I try. I had a journey of my own where I had to transform my relationship with food, and I'm the same as yourself very competitive. So when I stopped playing rugby, I got into bodybuilding uh, for a long period of time, got to the pro level. And then with that came like a poor relationship with food for like two years, like basically binge a lot of the time. And I had to kind of like learn the hard way, like you say, with pain and whatnot. And I was getting gut issues, all this kind of stuff. Obviously, mental health as well was taking a hit when you're overeating every weekend, like drastically. So anyway, I switched gears then and I managed to, you know, transform my relationship with food, eat more whole foods, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then about two, two, three years ago, I was still getting gut issues and some skin issues and stuff like that. And I was just really frustrated because I'm like, I'm at this level now and I've cracked everything. I'm in fantastic shape, but why is my gut health still playing up? What's going on here? So I looked more into it and cut a long story short, you know, eating, you know, cutting out the foods which are irritating my gut, surprise, surprise, leveled up my health. Uh, for me, you know, vegetables, I just, I don't need them to thrive. I do better without them. I do better with just like meat and fruit. Right now, I'm basically, I've been like 11 or 11 or 12 days strict carnivore for the first time. So I'm yeah. probably going to do a whole yeah. month for this and I feel a lot better. Um, but yeah, that's my kind of journey in a nutshell. But yeah, just curious to know what your journey is with that. And I guess how you've kind of utilized that, like your journey and what you've learned with the animal-based diet and everything to actually impact others, man. 
Yeah, man. There's there's so much overlap in the stories here as well. Like even though we were on different paths, like I ended up with really bad borderline disordered eating from the aggressive weight cuts from MMA. And then after that, you know, I'd blow up and add 50 pounds because I was binging. And it really does kind of, it messes you up, you know, and that, that relationship with food has to be healed. And, you know, then, then you get healthy, right? And you're doing all the things right. But you like you said, there's still these lingering little gut issues or my digestion's not quite on or I've got gas. Or for me, it was like skin issues, like flaky skin, surround even though I was quote unquote doing everything right. So yeah, like you, I stayed curious, um, you know, stayed open to the possibility that, you know, something's not right here. And if it's not right, what's the solution to fix it? And I started to, you know, slowly get exposed to these ideas. The first one that I had that was really profound was just hearing uh, Mark Sisson, who's kind of like the godfather of this ancestral movement, just talk about getting rid of grains from your diet, like remove the gluten containing grains. And up until that point, I was basically living off wraps and bread and, and you name it. So the first experiment was taking those out. And after a week, you know, lost like five pounds of inflammation, and my knees felt better, and my gut felt better. And I was like, okay, there's something here. And like that process, then just living it out and evolving and evolving and just going deeper down the rabbit holes similar to you, you know, then coming and stumbling upon this carnivore idea, this idea that, you know, these these plants that we're basing so much of our health pyramids on are more survival foods, if you look at them from an evolutionary perspective. They're not prized by our ancestors, even the modern hunter-gatherer societies that still exist. They, they prize things like the big game hunts. They want to take down the animal and feed the whole tribe. They, want, they, they really prize the organ meats when they get the animal. And the other things that they want are honey. Basically, they want meat and they want honey. And when it's seasonally available, they want fruit. They don't want to eat the leaves, the stems and the roots of plants. These are very survival based foods. If they're in a really tricky spot, they will eat them because it's better to not starve, of course. But that's clearly not the food of our ancestors. And when you start looking into this idea that because plants are rooted in the ground, and they don't want to be eaten too. Surprise, surprise. They're living, right? They want to spread. They don't have claws. They don't have fangs. They don't have, you know, apparatus to run away. So they use chemical defense warfare, if you will, to ward off predators from eating them again. So, you know, oxalates, glucosinolates, phytic acid, lectins, all of these things can irritate the gut. Now, in a healthy population where everybody was good, Everybody was managing stress, getting appropriate sunlight, grounding, hydrating, moving the body, sweating, detoxing. How much should these compounds in plants be an issue? Probably very little. But how many people are healthy? How many people don't have a messed up gut microbiome from years of antibiotic use as kids and then being raised on the standard diet and all of this other stuff that comes with being a modern human? So these foods can become trigger foods. And the best kind of diet you can do to remove the, the foods that, you know, kind of irritate people and can cause digestive stress as well as mental stress it leaves you with something that looks like a carnivore style diet. Now, the carnivore diet, like your experiments going on right now, you know, 12 days in is, is basically just, you know, just meat for the most part, right? In the strictest form, it's like meat, water, and salt. You know, these get really stringent upon that. And you can feel really good doing it. I've done numerous stints with animal-based diet, uh, with carnivore diet. And I think it's one of the most powerful resets that you can possibly have because it's the ultimate elimination diet. You're basically taking out all the foods that could be causing you damage and you're leaving yourself left on the only food, by the way, this is the only food that a single ingredient food that you can subsist and, and, and thrive on is beef and ruminant animal meat, right? It's got everything that you need to sustain life. So it removes the bad guy stuff and it improves and, and gives you, you know, the, the protein and the fat and the micronutrients and, and these minerals. And it puts you in a state of transitional ketosis. So you now start to develop metabolic flexibility, right? You can burn fat at rest. You can burn carbohydrates when you run out. If you're not eating carbohydrates, your body can make them through a process called gluconeogenesis. That's like really fascinating stuff. 
And then the animal-based version of this is a slight evolution from carnivore where we keep the carnivore framework, the pyramid of the bulk of our nutrition is coming from that, that kind of, you know, big focus on ruminant animal meat, like, you know, cows and lamb and all of that stuff. But now we start to add things back in that are on the least toxic side with the best flavor and the most ancestrally appropriate. So now we start to add in things like raw milk, if you can have access to it, things like in-season organic fruit, things like honey, things like maple syrup. So we're prioritizing the things that come from nature and hopefully diversifying the plate to the point where the bulk of our nutrition is coming from animal-based foods. And then we're supplementing in these delicious, bountiful foods that nature provides that don't cause digestive distress and discomfort. And ultimately then creating a diet that we feel really good eating, helps us look good and is enjoyable because the one kind of drawback maybe of carnivore, strict carnivore is that like, it's fine. Like I, I love it. I love beef. I eat beef every day, but I'm not sure for the rest of my life. The only thing that I want to eat is ground beef and ribeyes, you know? So it just gives yeah. you a little bit more. Nuance. And once the healing is done, that's when we bring back in and work from this animal-based uh, framework. We add in a, a little bit more foods and we intermittently can dip in and out of things like ketosis um, because now we're super insulin sensitive. We're super metabolically flexible and we get to, you know, just thrive. Then I think it's the most appropriate human diet that we know of. And um, just in, hundreds and hundreds of cases where this is this has helped all kinds of stuff from you know stubborn weight loss issues to reversing autoimmune issues to reversing people's you know anxiety and depression and i know it sounds crazy to hear somebody say that a diet can reverse depression but when you start to really realize that food is medicine it's been medicine forever and that it's it's you know what we feed ourselves really dictates our level of dis-ease illness or thriving and health then you start to realize oh wow right maybe this thing is really powerful and i and i should think about you know, thinking about it a little bit more because it's 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 really bloody powerful. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. And you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said about you know surviving versus thriving, and I think that is relatable to you know if you were to eat beef forever. For example, I've said this to the audience before, but you can survive and actually live a healthy life, you know, without having any carbohydrates, right? You could survive. Not to say it'll be optimal though. For most people, are you going yeah. to really thrive, and is it going to be optimal? Unlikely for most people, right? As you say, bringing in some seasonal fruits, some honey and those kind of things can be really beneficial. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you've got to be, go through a process yourself. But for me, I'm not doing it because the thing is with me is I can't get enough calories in. I, I'm struggling now because my maintenance calories are like 3,600 basically, right? So I'm already pretty much shredded from doing like 11 days of, so I'm having, I'm having beef, I'm having uh, beef liver, some organ meat, and I'm having ghee oil and eggs mainly. That's pretty much, that's pretty much all I'm having. Um, and some bone broth as well, but you know, I do feel way better already. My, what I've noticed, which is really uh, surprising to me really is my sleep as in, I track it using the aura ring. My sleep is so much better to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to go back to what I was doing before. Cause it's drastically improved. And obviously as a result of that, I feel way better. You know what I mean? So yeah, man. Awesome. But yeah, for, and I, I think for the average, it, it always comes down to what you said as well, eating single ingredient foods and you're not going to yeah. get any other single ingredient foods such as beef or any ruminant animals, uh, you know, bison, deer, those kind of things where you're going to get most of the micronutrients that like almost perfect balance of proteins and amino acids, essential fatty acids and everything else. Right. So hundred percent agree with that. No, that was, that was really, really interesting. Um, and I find like I said, whole foods, man. It's like a lot of people, I think if we're speaking to the average person, you know, it's almost like those those processed foods and the grains and stuff, they almost kind of hijack our brain, right? Because they're designed to make yeah. us eat more of them as well. Like, especially if it's like, you know, white bread and those kind of things as well. And any processed foods, which have got, you know, an ingredient list on them, as long as your arm, for example, they're designed to make us overeat. 
So I always say you're always going to be fighting a losing battle when you're eating those foods. But guess what? When you switch over to eating more protein and you're getting more, most of the nutrients you need from the meats that we talked about and eggs as well, like an egg yolk is almost the perfect multivitamin, you know, yes. surprise, surprise, you start feeling better. You're not as hungry because protein really blunts your appetite. And again, if going back to what we were saying with habits and implementation, if you're consistent with that and you pay attention to like how you feel, because it always goes back to how you feel. Like I've had, I don't know if you've had this before, but I've had people say to me, you know, I've been doing the I've been doing the keto diet um, for like a month, and you know, I haven't had a shit for a week. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's quite right. Then you might want to switch things up a little bit. You know, what I mean? people just stick to it and they they don't pay attention to the signals of health, right? Which I think is very important. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That, again, a couple of things you said there, I really want to tap into because they're they're super powerful. Like I, I look at everything through this ancestral evolutionary lens, and I think we evolved in times of scarcity, and we now live in environments of abundance. And so the food is the biggest kind of like thing that that breaks our entire physiology and, and mental relationship with it. Because to your point, these foods are engineered to be hyper palatable. You know, there's a reason why the, the Pringles slogan is like, once you pop, you can't stop. I bet you can't eat just one. Or if you know, you open up a tub of ice cream, like good luck practicing. Do you all just have three bites of it now that you're probably going to eat that whole thing, right? Because these foods are ancestrally like incredibly novel. You don't really get these incredibly high amounts of refined sugar and hyperpalatable fats in a perfect combination of salty and sweet and gooey and crunchy and hot and cold. And food engineers are basically designing food to be exactly that, you know, so they're really easy to overeat and they are nutrient devoid. So we, we say nutrient dense in the animal space a lot because gram for gram, it's got so many nutrients in like packaged foods, very low on nutrient density, they're nutrient devoid, but they're very calorie dense. So you've got a mismatch. You've got a lot of empty energy coming in, but a lot of, not a lot of nutrition and you hit the nail on the head and you're actually, you're a good example here of, of a good problem to have on the carnivore diet, which is it's very filling. You're a bigger guy. You've got a higher BMR. So you need a lot of food, but you're just full. When you're eating protein, like you said, you've got that kind of thermic effect of feeding. And there's this another ancestrally driven mechanism for hunger is like the protein forager theory that basically says all animals eat to fulfill protein needs. And that's why even our plant-based, you know, uh, animal ancestors like gorillas, well, they eat only plant-based, but they also eat for like 14 hours a day. And they also eat their own shit because they're just eating to get the protein. And the protein isn't that high in the leaves. Whereas a carnivore, like a lion can eat, you know, once a week, for example. So when you're getting those protein needs hit and you're getting nutrient dense food in and you're taking care of all your micronutrients, yeah, you're naturally not going to be as hungry. Your, your brain's not looking, it's not starving for food. Like, there's this weird paradigm in our world where we are overfed, but undernourished. Like we've got tons of empty calories coming in, but people's bodies are starving for nutrition. You go something like animal-based or carnivore, and all of a sudden your body is like, whoa, what is going on here? This feels amazing. I've got everything that I need. And maybe the, you know, the sleep thing that's coming in for you is, is just that, you know, stress is coming down internally. Inflammation is coming down a little bit from your recovery of workouts because you're giving it so much bioavailable protein and your micronutrients are getting topped off. You're eating egg yolks and you're eating a bit of liver and organ meat. You said like those are nature's multivitamins. So all of a sudden you're just like topped off and now your body's like, hell yeah, let's rest heavy as well. So there's like so much value in that, you know, and I think everybody should experiment with it for a certain time, you know, to really feel the power of single food and just like eating real food, like the food that your ancestors would have evolved on because obviously that's the metabolic machinery that we've got and you know this this hyper palatable novel food that fills our supermarkets is brand new in the in the scheme of our evolution 
but you know it's it's tricky to navigate that you know restaurants cooking nasty seed oils and everything's convenient and junky and then you've got to remember the narrative in in kind of the health space that you know cholesterol is bad red meat is bad saturated fat clodulatory so you've also got that whole dogma going on as well so like people like you and I are kind of breaking that mold, right? You're, you know, your, your followers see you with your shirt off, right? That's not a healthy guy with clogged arteries. That's, that's sorry, not an unhealthy guy with clogged arteries. You're the picture of health and you're here just basically breaking all the rules, living off beef and eggs. So there is, <laughs> there's just a lot for the listener to hold because it's like, well, this is kind of radical information. Don't exactly know what to do with it. But the invitation is, we'll try the experiment, right? Like it's not going to kill you in 30 days. And I would argue that in 30 days, you're probably going to feel better than you have in the last 10 years. And then you're going to be hurt and you're going to be like, all right, well, let's do this thing that, you know, these crazy fellas are talking about and let's see how it goes. Absolutely. And you, you, again, you smashed that then because I talked about that on a recent podcast in terms of for me as well. And for you, I'm sure as well, it's like beef, salt, eggs. Not only are those things um, we've been told that they're not necessarily good for us, but they've really been demonized, right? So people have conflicting information. It's, it's worse than that. It's the opposite information, right? So like, and, and most of us, let's be honest, it's years and years of conditioning from the government as well, right? You know, when we, even when we were younger, right? You can remember cholesterol, you got to be careful with that. It's been, and like, you know what, the red meat thing, that's been going on for like, what, 70 years being demonized, right? And they're the most nutrient-dense foods you can eat, which is interesting. And salt as well is another one, right? I talk about this all the time. It's a massive thing, electrolyte salt, you know, especially people who eat in whole foods, right? People who eat in primarily real foods, you know, you need to be salting the shit out of your meals and having some electrolytes, you know, especially in the morning to, to help with hydration and everything else. So that's another one as well, right? So people who eat a lot of processed foods, obviously they tend to have more salt. It's not the right type of salt though, because you're not having your, you know, your pink Himalayan salt, or you're not having your, your, you know, your Redmond real salt where you're getting 60 to 80 trace minerals with that as well. You're just getting sodium chloride stripped of it, but you know, it's an important thing. And again, that's something that has been demonized and people are kind of, you know, nervous about, or, you know, fearful of, of trying, but then it's like, what you're going to look at is metabolic health as well. Right. Which is again, Again, I always talk about this, but the metabolism is very complex. We won't get into that conversation, but metabolic health is arguably the most important thing, right? You look at chronic illnesses, you look at uh, cancer, for example, you know, being overweight increases your risk of uh, like 13 different types of cancers, you know, if you're uh, significantly yeah. overweight, all those kind of things, which is is kind of another conversation. So yeah, I mean, if you try it, if you try in, you know, more, more meats, more good quality meats, and if you, I always say this as well, if you're going to eat a lot of beef like me, I don't know how much you eat, probably a lot. I eat about a kilo, bro. I eat about a kilo of beef a day, right? It's quite a lot. Feel great though. Don't get any problems with digestion or anything like that. But I eat grass-fed, grass-finished. If you're going to eat a lot of it, I definitely recommend. And there's quite a big difference as well in terms of the fatty acid profile as well, right? It's like uh, with the omega-3 to omega-6 uh, ratio, for example, it's drastically different. I, I think a recent study showed that it was like three to one. For example, in grass-fed, grass-finished on average, it's like three times the amount of omega-6 to three, whereas on grain-fed, it was like 17 times the amount or something like that. And as you said then, with vegetable oils, canola oils, trans fats, you know, the, the, the general population over-consumes those foods, which contain the wrong type of fats, which have been proven time and time again to be uh, pro-inflammatory, right? So there's a lot going on there, but if you would just, if you can more, more, like you say, the grains, if you can just eliminate, because a lot of the times, a lot of the benefits comes from a, like you said, you're getting most of the nutrients you need through good quality food, beef, beef liver, eggs, those kind of things. And more importantly, you're, you're eliminating the foods which have been problematic, right? For just like our experience. And I think most people get, they get so many benefits, right? In terms of the inflammation and like uh, skin conditions or whatever that is, um, even with weight loss, like you say, if you're getting so much inflammation, you know, your, your weight's going to come down, you're going to drop a bunch of water weight and, 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 um, and lose weight just from all the inflammation you had, right? So I think it's what you're taking out, which is causing you problems, which can make the biggest difference as well, right, bro? 
Yeah, you nailed it, man. You've 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 clearly done your your homework here and well well read on all of this stuff, and you're spot on. And I do I do believe that too. I think that a lot of what constitutes a good diet is what you take out. You know, everybody's always looking for what to add in now, right? Like what's the next best supplement or, you know, what can I take? You know, what's the secret, you know, juice or whatever it is. It's like, actually, most of your problems are caused by things you're eating consistently that aren't serving your health. So elimination is massive. And if you just simplify, and again, you get back to this idea of, you know, jerf, just eat real food. I, I have this funny little thing I say, you know, did it grow from the ground? Did it fall from a tree? Did it have eyes and a butthole? If you just eat that stuff, you're going to do pretty good. You know, like you're, you're going to do all right. And um, the one thing I'll close on saying that, like, because like I said, like, if if people saw you, you know, uh, knocking about on Bondi Beach with your kit off, they're going to look, all right, Martin's, a, you know, Martin's in good shape. And if people saw me, they'd say, Steve's in good shape. Like these are healthy people. And I just always say, be, be careful of where you get your information from. Don't Don't take health advice from sick people. It's quite simple. You know, look at the people that are talking about our dietary, you know, pyramids and giving your health advice. Do they look like healthy people to you? Because nine times out of 10, they don't, you know, they're overweight, they're over fat or the skinny fat. They're, you know, they're pale, they're terrified of the sun, they're terrified of real food. They, they say exercising is toxic masculinity. Like they've got all of this nonsense going on. They're not healthy people. So go to them for whatever other advice you want, but get health advice from healthy people because they're the people that are doing it. You know, they're living it. They understand what it means and they're helping other people do it too. So just, yeah, I mean, that <laughs> is what it is. It speaks for itself, right? You've earned that, you know? Definitely, man. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we can wrap it up on that. You know, you got to practice what you preach. And that's a good thing. I think people are getting more savvy now. You know, they look at people like me or you, they can they can feel our energy as well, right? It's, it's how you look is is number one. We, we always, whether you like it or not, as humans, we judge a book by its cover. It's the way it goes. We, we like it or we don't. It's just the way it goes for better or for worse. Also, our energy, you know, look at the impact we have on other people's lives as well. And it's not a one size fits all. I want to be clear here. We're not saying it's a one size fits all. But what we're saying is, you know, it comes back to the basics, whatever term you use then. Just eat real foods, right? Just 100%. You know, you cannot go wrong with that. And I urge anyone listening now, just going back to the grains conversation, if you can simply like cut out breads, cut out pasta, cut out those cereals, those processed foods, which ultimately you're only eating them, right, for the taste, let's be honest. Most people only value food, the average person, purely for the hedonistic value of how it tastes. Yep. So if you can break free of that and start paying attention, like try a few days where you're eating the stuff we talked about there, mainly meat, you know, eggs, even if you're having some fruit or honey in season or whatever, uh, and just pay attention to how you feel. But yeah, going back to what you say, I do urge anyone to just break free of carbohydrates um, for like a period of time, even if it's a few days, even if it's for breakfast, right? A lot of people straight away, boom, I want to have my cereal, I want to have my bread, whatever. Even for breakfast, if you just have like, you know, what you would have for dinner for breakfast, for example, try doing that. Try having some ground beef left over from last night with some eggs and maybe some avocado, for example, just throwing stuff out there now. And, and notice that actually you won't be uh, as hungry. You'll likely have a more blunted appetite. You're going to have more sustained energy. And then it's, it, it just takes time to actually um, break free of those foods, which basically have been engineered to, to make us eat the shit out of them, basically, right? So I think we'll leave it there, man. Um, bro, really appreciate your time. So much value in this uh, in this episode. Where can the audience find you, man? Yeah, man, I appreciate the chat, man. It was really good. Um, so Peak Primal Health is the Instagram. Um, and that that that's that's the spot to go. That's where you'll see, 
you know, the, the content, the rants, the ideas, the community, all of that fun stuff. And if you want to check out what we're doing uh, over at Radical Health Radio, that's a podcast that's available everywhere where podcasts podcast and also on YouTube. So Peak Primal Health on Instagram, Radical Health Radio everywhere else. But uh, thanks for having me, man. This was a great chat. Uh, hopefully one day we we cross borders and we can share some beef together. A hundred percent, man. That's definitely got to happen. I'll definitely let you know. Like I said off air, really want to go to Texas, especially Austin is on my bucket list. So uh, we'll catch up, man, and we'll have a we'll have a good feed and stuff. I'll go and say hello to the goats and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'll, I'll need to know. Don't worry, bro. I'll uh, I'll stick to the cows. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks a lot, my man.